Episode 74 of The Passive Hang. Thanks for joining us once again, guys. It's Fayon here. And today we have Jason Lapiana joining us on the podcast, who is a movement teacher based in Clearwater, Florida, and is also the director of coaching of Move, a space out in that area. Jason used to be on the path of specialization, going towards professional sports, trying to become a baseball player. But we hear his story as he pays the price of specialization and how he transforms and reorientates himself towards a more generalist, broader movement practice and why he has done so. Jason particularly focuses on the aspects of play and how he found or refound play within his practice and shares his own insights in how one can best develop themselves through a movement practice. All right, guys. Well, you gonna enjoy this one? We're gonna get started. Let's go. Hey guys, it's Fayon here, and we have Jason Lapiana joining us on the podcast today. Now, welcome, Jason. Glad to have you. Thanks, man. Uh, Jason, you are based down in Florida, but um, yeah, I don't actually know too much about you because really uh, we got connected through a mutual connection, uh, Sebastian. So shout out to Sebastian for connecting us over here because recently he passed through your area, I believe, and then you guys hooked up and uh, trained together for a little bit and you gave him uh, a few tips and insights, which he got a lot out from. So he, uh, he recommended me to to get in touch and find out a bit more about you. And I can see, you know, you've been um, involved in this practice and teaching for quite some time as well. So I was interested to unpack a little bit more about, you know, who is the, uh, who is the man behind, behind Jason? <laughs> so yeah, whereabouts in Florida are you based? Yeah. So I'm in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, I teach in the Clearwater area and I teach in the St. Petersburg area. Um, I've been living down here for probably the last eight years. Um, uh, I teach at a facility in Clearwater called Move Gymnastics Inspired Strength. Um, uh, I teach classes, privates, online coaching, and then I do some uh, individual stuff in the St. Petersburg area as well. Uh, live in the St. Petersburg area. Love the area. Love Florida. Um, think it's a beautiful place for movement. And yeah, Sebastian, we connected uh, through IG. He was actually another Florida guy. And I didn't really know that he was in Florida. I thought he was, uh, uh, he like had a bunch of stuff all over his IG traveling. Um, he had some stuff with Aaron, uh, Aaron Griffiths mm -hmm. and, I followed him, really liked his practice. And then he messaged me saying, oh, yeah, I'm in, I grew up in Orlando. I was like, oh, wow. You know, there's not a huge movement culture that I've seen in that area, just with people who are, you know, teachers and kind of aware of the movement culture. And, yeah, we connected. We had a great session. Um, I was really happy to see that, you know, he was able to come out to, to St. Pete and we had some some really nice practice together. And yeah, he put put me in touch with you, and it's been uh, it's been cool getting to chat with you a bit and getting to know your practice as well. 
Yeah, well, I think it's one of the wonders of, you know, this social media actually connecting movers all together, which I think we all have to be really thankful for. So, yeah. um, you know, with the classes that you teach, yeah, yeah. Uh, are they focused on any specific sort of topics or do you just offer them as more general sort of movement coaching? How do you sort of describe what you actually teach? Yeah. So the facility in, uh, in Clearwater is really, is really interesting just because having prior experience teaching movement classes, I never really thought people got a lot out of it if it wasn't if it was something where they can, okay, like there's a facility and then there's like a drop in class, like a one movement class a week. And then they have all these other classes. So I was spending time before at this facility, sometimes having these movement classes where people would drop in and there would be like a one time a week movement class and kind of anyone off the street can come up, come in. And it was very hard to one, get to know the person and then also provide actual progress for the person um so you know the the classes over at this facility uh move in clearwater we have an entire like curriculum so when people sign up the the classes are broken down based off of kind of area of the body or topics mm -hmm. throughout the week so we have classes all throughout the week and we have sometimes three classes in a row. So people are able to stay for three hours of training mm -hmm. and they're all topics, you know, so we have um, mobility based classes. We have uh, strength based classes. We have movement based classes. And a lot of the strengths, strength and mobility based things are oriented around just moving well, you know, developing flexibility standards like front split, middle split head to toe, bridge, uh, a lot of the upper body strength classes integrate dynamic movement things into them as well. So we work on hand balancing in the upper body strength classes, ring work, um, things like uh, calisthenics standards like planche, front levers, back levers. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I think that being able to have the curriculum and then also kind of like the schedule of classes when people sign up, it's very kind of like school based where they're mm -hmm. signing up and they have a week of a lot of available classes and there's a lot of material that they can come and they can, you know, t uh, partake in. And it works incredibly well for progress because we're seeing people multiple times a week. They're able to stay for more than just one hour. Um, and it's, it's like the system is by far the best that I've uh, that I've been a part of um, because the drop in movement class one time a week just does not cut it. It does not cut it. You have to see people multiple times a week. They have to be invested in you. You have to see them there. So it's, it's very cool in terms of how it um, how it really is designed around like a, a curriculum and like a school based training uh training facility yeah that's cool and um it, it really is i think being involved in this i like how you're talking about it as a curriculum because it is education versus maybe a more traditional fitness facility which is more based around yeah like this drop-in mentality or if someone's just you know they kind of signed up to this thing and sometimes they do classes and they drop in and they just want to get like 
a really high heart rate and then get that feeling of the pump and then leave versus I think um, what it sounds like, yeah, you're offering more is this continuous education process where you need to invest your time consistently over a long run to really start to understand and, and start to make progress, which really is, you know, how I think this thing, I mean, physical development as a whole needs to be approached anyway. And for some reason, at some point, it sort of got mixed with a whole, like, just um, almost like this, uh, sometimes like mindless sort of energy, you know, like just, just jump on the treadmill and just take your mind off it. And, and that's it versus like, okay, if you're really looking to develop yourself, just like in any area, it does take commitment, time, focus, energy, education to make those changes. Of course. Yeah. Those, you know, we're lucky enough to have people who have been in the fitness scene, been, you know, dabbled in different disciplines and they kind of find us and they already have somewhat of a, a level or a base in, in their fitness and they're looking for a bit more. So mm-hmm. we, we kind of draw a, a good crowd of those people where they're understanding the, the investment that it takes to make changes with your body and they, they, they find us and they're now understanding, okay, uh, how do I learn the language that these guys are speaking? How do I learn the terminology? Um, how can we really look at understanding the cues that, that the instructors are talking about and really having a good understanding of the curriculum, even before the like workout portion starts? So before you know, we even start letting people into classes, we have a whole process of getting them really acclimated with the language, the terminology, how we teach things, um, what we're looking for, where they're at within certain skills, so that when they can come into training with us, they can they can really get the most out of being in a class setting. So it's not just like, what the heck is a planche? What the heck is a handstand? What is a, how do I set up in a German hang? What's a QDR? So like they have a really good understanding of these things before even getting into that class setting. And that's, it's been awesome to take that approach where they're working with us for a period of time in the one-on-one setting before even getting into a class setting. Uh, and that really helps the, the transition process of having them being able to navigate a, a class setting really well. Um, but that's, that's the main thing that, you know, I try to strive for when introducing people to this type of training is you're going to have to use your mind. You're going to have to learn a bit of the language that I'm trying to, that I'm trying to uh, teach you when, in terms of movement language. And once you understand some of the language and you have some of the references built in, you're going to be able to comprehend it a lot easier. Mm. And how about on your online coaching side is, uh, do you, um, teach uh, similar sort of subjects to what you teach in person or is it a, a different offering? Yeah, it's uh, it's similar content. Uh, I take with the online coaching, yeah, the most of the online coaching I'm doing is, is very individualized. So when I'm working with somebody, uh, it's something that there's a few different options there. So there's people that reach out and they're very interested in 
some type of component of their practice, whether it be developing flexibility or developing strength, uh, developing certain skills, acrobatics, whatever. And if people are interested in a very specific portion of the practice, I can focus the training that we do for a period of time on a such component, uh, but built around still a, a diverse um, variety of training. Because even with people wanting to like learn a very specific thing, my philosophy on training is always kind of providing them achieving such skills through kind of a diverse practice. Um, and then there's other people that really just want the full package of like, how do I develop and how do I start and how do I pursue uh, a generalist movement practice? And from there, that's what we really work on in the online coaching program as well, where they're, where they're doing all of it. They're working on, um, you know, strength skills. They're working on flexibility, mobility. They're working on coordination. They're working on some plyometrics. They're working on a bit of acrobatics, groundwork, locomotion, uh, gymnastic ring work. So a lot of variety of things that we play around with in the online programming as well. Um, works great. It's, it's another, it's honestly one of my favorite tools as well to teach in because when people are consistent with it and they have this material for them throughout laid out throughout an entire week mm -hmm. the progress that people can make is absolutely unbelievable so those two kind of like uh settings of training and in, in, in terms of teaching where it's like the curriculum setting where people are able to come to like X amount of classes throughout a week, but they have an entire week available of classes happening that can that you can be there for more than just one hour mm. or online training where people are having, you know, anywhere from four to seven days a week of training available. When people are on those types of training protocols, I've seen unbelievable changes, like really unbelievable changes when people are consistent. The things that people sometimes get stuck in is like the one time a week private session and mm -hmm. don't do anything for the week or the one class a week. And it's like, you know, it, you don't you you just get the most minuscule taste. And it's a very hard, very hard route to see any legitimate, legitimate progress. But those two components of when people stay consistent with those two offerings, I absolutely love it. It, it makes it super gratifying for me as a teacher because uh, I love seeing, you know, my students change and develop. Um, but those are really my two favorite things that I offer right now is having people stay consistent with the online coaching and then being able to get really involved in the community we have with the, with the classes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm interested to just find out a bit more about how you came to learn all this stuff yourself, you know, winding back the clock, back to your earlier days, like, um, you know, were you always really physical as a kid and that kept on developing from there? Like maybe take us back to, you know, even from when you were a child, like uh, how, how were you physically? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, growing up, I grew up in, in Long Island, New York, and I was fortunate enough to grow up in a area that was really like really dense 
with a lot of uh, a lot of culture and a lot of diversity of of people living in it. So um, growing up, essentially, I lived on a block. You know, it was just a traditional block, mm. and on a block, there's if you're lucky, there's a lot of kids. You know, mm -hmm. and in the like in the mid mid late 90s early 2000s you know things like video games and cell phones they were like they were kind of there but they weren't they weren't as prominent as they are now so there was a lot of opportunity still to really be outside and play mm -hmm. so the majority of the time that i spent just as a kid was playing with the kids on my block so there was a ton a ton of kids and there was always there was always games that we can play and my parents were I was uh, like the last one out of all my friends to be able to get any type of video game or technology in that way where you know a handheld video game or something like that so I didn't even have the accessibility to start getting into those things. So the only entertainment that I really had was being able to get outside and play with the the people that were in my neighborhood. And when you're a kid and when you're, when you're at that age, it's just, it's just creative play. It's free play. And you're not focused on anything that's really super competitive. It's just having a lot of fun with your body, running around, exploring, and coming up with games you know so in new york you know we we played all the games and it was you know things that were more prominent were obviously some of the some of the american games some of the games like basketball and football and, the, and it's essentially anything with a ball so yeah we, we, play, we played everything in in those realms and then also came up with a ton of games that was one of the most awesome things about being a kid is just seeing the like when you don't have access to all this other entertainment, you're coming up with things all the time. How can I make this game more interesting? Oh, we haven't, we have three more people. Oh, cool. Let's, uh, let's, let's make, let's make this game a little bit different here with a few more people. So it was like a lot of fun being able to have all of this, all of this play around me at a young age and, as that was my foundation, it really started to get me interested then, obviously, in like organized sports. So, you know, having that physical lifestyle at a younger age, then I get signed up and start playing some organized sports, things like basketball, a little bit of soccer, very briefly, and, um, and baseball. Mm. So to get into some of the organized sports. Uh, and then as well as really having a really still a strong play component outside of those organized sports for a period of time. And it, it just, it consumed my life. So it was all I did, you know, it was mm -hmm. something that I really didn't have much other interests than, than legitimately like playing physically. It was something I wasn't, I wasn't really into video games or, you know, playing an instrument or, you know drawing or anything like that like physicality was like the thing that brought me the most joy at a young age it was it was something I looked forward to all like all the time 
So uh, it laid the foundation for me to want to really look deeper into the sports I was playing and how I can start getting the most out of it. And then, you know, obviously from there, things like getting a bit more competitive into the sports I was playing kind of started to occur. So it was it was then really dialing in on a couple sports that I was really uh, enjoying and starting to get, you know, more into travel leagues and, you know, start starting to learn about training the body and getting stronger and uh, going to strength and conditioning uh, sessions and things like that for baseball and basketball. And those were, those were my main sports. Baseball was the really the sport that from a younger age started to draw me in. It was a, it was a prominent sport where I grew up Mm -hmm. and it was, it was something that I was really intrigued in because I wasn't very good at it. And I saw a lot of my peers were, re- were really good at it. And it was something I was like, wow, like this guy's really good. Um, um, you know, it's, it, it's a really, it's a really interesting game. I have uh, I don't know if you have any experience with that game, but there's, there's um, quite a, quite a lot of, quite a lot of like different elements that go into it from an athletic and from a movement standpoint that drew me in for some reason. Uh, that game and then also the game of basketball I thought those two games were just like growing up the most some of the most beautiful games I had like the best like physical sensations from playing those games with friends Mm -hmm. and just some of the feelings I had from from training those sports were like amazing and it really brought me a lot of joy Um, but in terms of you know where my there was like a certain point in terms of where I was really, I had a really strong background of, of play and enjoyment that came from just having fun with physicality and, and movement and not really being too serious about things. Hmm. And then there was like a r- interesting transition point where I started to take my practice a bit more seriously, where it, started to it it was always still play but there was now like a a serious competitive element and then also kind of a a one really wanting to see progress element so like looking at certain things and there was a certain incident in particular it was getting um getting cut from my seventh grade baseball team so i was you know so went for the tryout on the team uh, didn't make the team. And that was, that was like a factor there. It was like, wow, you know, so, okay. So didn't make the team. That was like, all right, well, that didn't feel good. And from that, that, that was something that like sparked my mind of, okay, well, if you want to get better at something physically, there has to be a different intention behind it than just going out and doing the thing just for, for play orientation. And that's what's that's what really started to get my brain oriented around worth work ethic in terms of mm-hmm. like physical training and how to how to get better at something physically. And it it was a really yeah, it was an interesting it was a really interesting point where I started to again really have that 
that mindset of how do I learn more about this game? How do I learn more about developing in this game? This is where I started to work with different coaches and started to actually take more time to practice specifically on this game versus having like a wide array of play going on in my life. So it was like starting to then specialize into this one sport mm -hmm. a bit more intensely. And I started to see an incredible amount of progress. So I went from seventh grade, not making the team to ninth grade. Um, I made my varsity team as a freshman. So I put in a ton of work and I, I made a lot of progress and people are like, wow, who's well, what happened? This guy, he, you know, crazy uh, transformation. And I made my varsity team. And from there, it was like it was an amazing feeling because it was like, wow, if I put in if I put in work, if I really focus, dial myself in and do things physically that sometimes I don't want to do, but yeah. I get them done anyway, I can make progress and I can have an edge. So that was a that was really cool to start to see how that worked, because it was the first time in my life to see how that work ethic paid paid off. And it, it started to yeah man, it's, uh, manifest itself into some really nice physical progress that was setting me apart from a lot of my, uh, a lot of my peers in, in my school and in my, in my town. Um, and yeah, throughout my high school years, I really was a super, super focused on the game of, on the game of baseball. Things of things were, there were other things that were accessory accessory to that. I was just playing a little bit of basketball. I was doing a little bit of, you know, play with friends still, um, free play, but it wasn't it, it like my sole focus physically was oriented around that game. And this is where like from, you know, grades nine through 12, um, I was really, really dialed in, in terms of, okay, I, I want to actually make it in this sport. Like I want to get drafted. I mm. want to, I want to be at the the top level that you can be at and see how far I can push my body in the sport. Cause I was seeing great progress. Uh, I was making some of the best teams in the area and I was, I was really enjoying. Um, I loved the game and then I really loved the training component. I, as much as I loved the like actual game of baseball, the things that the thing that was really I was really starting to get like a lot of love for was seeing how I can put time into practice and then reap the rewards of progress. So I was like, wow, I just keep practicing and keep dialing in on this craft and I get and I get better and I can feel this and it's a really awesome, awesome feeling. So I was I was really focused on that in high school. Um, and it got to a certain point where in American sports uh, at around grade 11, there's a lot of pressure at that grade to like have your best season mm -hmm. and to really do things so that you can get scholarships and have certain colleges take a look at you and things like that. So I, I pushed it really hard um, that, preseason in terms of training and it was starting to then get into a point where I was starting to taste what almost over specialization was feeling like mm. over training and um, you're at such a young age still as well 
exactly such a young age um and it was something that i felt like i i like i kind of needed to do at that point just because at that point the game like i mentioned earlier to you it wasn't like a natural game for me to be good at when i started it it wasn't like a game i was just like naturally good at and i had all these skills i thought that to myself the only way that i'm going to excel and get better at this game is by outworking everyone from a training standpoint uh in terms of practice and the the mental side of that game of baseball is really crazy because mm-hmm. it's not like a, it's not like a game that you can muscle your way through it's yeah. not you can't just put a ton of reps in there's such a mental component to that game so the the harder that i pushed it on the practice side sometimes it would have a reverse effect on the game element although i'd be prepared physically mentally i'd be overthinking i'd be in my my own head and i wouldn't be able to perform at the level that i knew that i was practicing at so mm-hmm. practicing be at this level but when the game came time to to actually play i couldn't even express how i was performing on a practice level so there was like a, a disconnect sometimes between the practice um, uh, performance versus the game performance. And that had just all to do with mentality. And at that point, you know, reflecting back, there, there needed to be more of a, di- a diversity in my, in my life, you know, just in terms of how I physically um, how I physically played and how I physically prepared for the games, because at that point, everything was oriented around being uh, as prepared as possible for, uh, for, for my, for my games. But there was certain, there were certain things from a mental standpoint that you just get drained. if You're just in the one game too, too long. Yeah. So being able to, have other sports in the mix, being able to have other things in your life that can provide you just take your mind off of the game are fantastic. So anyway, I had that uh, that junior 11th grade season. I prepared so much for it, had a terrible year, terrible year. It was oh, garbage. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it was garbage year. And then from there, like my senior year was funny, like the senior year in sports, like doesn't really even matter. Like your last year in high school, it's kind of like just a wash year. If you didn't do good yeah. in your junior year, you were like, ah, it's done. It's done for you. <laughs> so after that, I was like, oh, man, I'm just going to take I'm going to relax back on this senior year. You know, like I pushed it hard and I was like I trained a little bit, but I, I was like reevaluating things. I was mm-hmm. just I was like. There, there's something has to change. And the thing that I did is that I had all this physical preparation from essentially the year prior of training. And I went into that last year season and I was super relaxed. Almost mine wasn't even on the season. Just yeah. it was it was on and I had my best year. It was just like I, I just I was relaxed. I was carefree about it. Uh, I, there wasn't too much pressure. Um and I just I had a great year. I had a lot of fun with it. And it brought me back to that joy that, you know, originally got me into that game was being able to really just have fun with it. And obviously, a physical, you know, being physically prepared is key. But then there's also this 
this really important component of just being able to be relaxed and not care about what the outcome is like don't be so 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 ultra competitive mm. and just by having a bit more of that mentality i had an unbelievable year and then i uh, i got in contact with a school out in um st petersburg florida um that was interested in having me come down and uh be a part of their uh, collegiate team mm. in st petersburg florida called eckerd college so uh, that was awesome. And that's what kind of happened after high school is that I transitioned from New York down into St. Petersburg, Florida to go to the school called Eckerd College. And I played some baseball down there. And it was it was an interesting experience. Uh, it was something that from the high school training, I pushed myself so hard mentally uh, and really trying to become the best I could. And then going down into the college setting of that game, it was very military-like. It mm -hmm. was very, it was like, it was, it was like pushing yourself to a whole nother level in terms of like militant in terms of the training. So it was very much like, don't listen to your body, get up at as early as possible, work out, run, yeah do whatever you need to, to just get better at this point. So coming from high school where some kids don't even do that in high school, where they're just kind of like, they're free floating. They don't really even know what training is. I was already on kind of that militant style training throughout high school. So when I got into college, I was like, oh man, another, another four years of this, this is going to be rough. And yeah. And then it uh, it started to honestly take some of the love I had for the game out of it because it was just it really started to become something that wasn't even that fun anymore. The game, like the payoff of being good in the game wasn't even something I was getting amazing gratification from. Hmm. So it my interest just started to dissipate from that game. I started to really not want to even be uh, a part of it from a training perspective, from a game perspective, I just really honestly lost interest. And I think it was, it really had to do with the over-specialization that I was um, doing at that time with the, with the training. And from there, it was, it was a, it was a really, um, it was a thought out decision that I just wanted to take a step back from playing and focus more on studies and kind of have an idea of well what do I what do I want to pursue here in university that can that can gratify me in the same way that playing this game did because I never really thought about going to school for an education like what I was going to do in edge I was I wanted to go to school to just play baseball yeah. so I was okay well I get to school I'm in school now what am I going to really study what am I going to do with this so I started to really just evaluate what I was going to do then from a, an education standpoint. So I took a break and took a step back from baseball and I uh, was trying to figure out, well, what are, what are the things that I'm really interested in? And at that point it was, it was totally reflecting back on what do I want to share with the world? What, what do I want to do from a, uh, a standpoint of 
um, sharing with others. How do I want to make money? And I, uh, I really just reflected back on the, the, the constant thread that was in my life, you know, from the very beginning was that physicality portion. And I was just looking up different, um, different ways I can educate myself uh, about the body and just learning more about the body. And I saw that on some local nearby schools, universities, not at the school that I was at, they had some uh, kinesiology and exercise physiology classes and um, uh, programs. Mm -hmm. So I looked into those and I made a transfer to a nearby university um, at the University of South Florida to study uh, exercise science, kinesiology at that program. Um, because I was looking at the curriculum and I really liked it. It looked like I was going to be going into a program with a lot of like-minded people. And it looked like it was right up my alley from a standpoint of just learning more about the body, the way the body performs and starting to really understand how, uh, how to develop a body because I was starting to look at things in my own in my own experience from a teaching standpoint as well even within training for baseball there was a lot of times where I'd be working out and I'd be training with mm -hmm. friends and I would kind of be leading the group mm -hmm. and I kind of saw myself from a young age as like kind of kind of a teacher and it was something where I was I was teaching just like on a very subconscious level where it was like hey do it like this or I've had some success like with this technique why don't you give this a try or you know motivating people to train with me and things like that so I was always I, I was around from a young age with I was around a lot of coaches and I knew what it took to like handle a group of people and I really respected what coaches can do. And I really respected um, what good quality teachers could do. So it was something that for myself, I looked at it. I was like, yeah, like I, I can see myself in some way. I wasn't sure which way it was going to be, but I could see myself as somebody who mm. shares knowledge like that. Um, and I just wanted to educate myself more on the topics that were I was interested in before kind of getting into any type of teaching roles. But I, yeah, so I started, started really learning more about exercise science, uh, strength and conditioning, uh, exercise physiology, anatomy, um, uh, a lot of these things through my university and then also through self-study. So I was going to the library, getting as much books, go on the internet, looking at, on blogs, on websites, uh, studies, everything you can imagine. And from a, uh, from a standpoint, from things of bodybuilding to strength and conditioning, to nutrition, to sports, nutrition, to, um, exercise psychology. Uh, I was really super intrigued on all of it. One is I was really intrigued at just learning how to take my body to the next level. Mm -hmm. And also understand why I wasn't able to reach essentially my physical potential because I was look, I invested a lot of time and money into strength conditioning coaches mm -hmm. as a, as a youth. And I reflected back when I was in my early twenties, like, why didn't they get my body to the point that I thought it could have gotten to? 
Like I felt like some of the things I was doing as a young athlete with could have been like, I could have been taught in a better way, you mm -hmm. know? So I want to learn more about, well, why does this guy run this fast? And I run that faster. Why does he jump higher than me? Why does he throw harder than me? Like, what are, what are the things that I'm not doing? So I, it really in, intrigued me from just how do I develop these things and how can I actually learn more how to do these things on my own? So uh, from the university, it was it was a good program. Um, and I learned quite a bit. There was a few professors in the program that I really connected with. And there was, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot, a lot of great information shared at that program uh, at the University of South Florida. Um, and it was, it, it really gave me a, a strong foundation of just understanding the body from an anatomy and physiology standpoint, from a basic exercise prescription standpoint, strength conditioning standpoint. The thing that it didn't um, provide was any type of real knowledge in a movement kind of way, you know, so we didn't learn any flexibility or mobility techniques. We didn't learn uh, a lot about different movement disciplines. Like it was very centralized around what American fitness is you know so the entire program was heavy centralized around the american team sports mm -hmm. american type training whether you know in regards to kind of like bodybuilding and like machine and machine-based training and things like that even the nutrition was really centralized around just building muscle you know mm -hmm. so like it, everything was centered around just how do you get bigger, faster, stronger, and just develop those things versus looking deeper into like more unknown or less popular movement disciplines in America. And at this point, I was I was eating it up because at that point in my training, I just got done with uh, with training for baseball. So I I had a good foundation of strength. And I wanted to take, I wanted to get big. I wanted to lift heavy. I wanted to get strong. I wanted to keep getting faster, uh, keep getting more powerful. So I was really starting to get deeper into learning how to, how to develop my body from a bodybuilding standpoint, from a pure strength standpoint. So I was working with the barbell a lot, learning as much as I could about barbell lifting. Uh, I was really starting i was starting to dabble a little bit in calisthenics just starting to really work on weighted calisthenics like working on weighted dips and weighted yeah. pull-ups push-ups and just trying to see where how how strong i can get in things like my compound lifts uh i was really starting to really learn how to eat for performance because when you're a young athlete you just put whatever you want in your body mm -hmm. so I was learning a lot more about nutrition, learning a lot more about calorie intake, protein intake, um, you know, just learning about food quality, things like that. So my my ideas around food were starting to transform a bit more as well. And how do I how do I eat to support a, a really physical practice so my body can uh, can change uh, in accordance to all the physical demands that I'm putting it through? So. There was a lot of 
really good foundational work that was happening. And I spent about, yeah, I spent about three, four years in that state of mind where it was very much eat as much as you can get the best type quality food that you can get, get as strong as you can get, um, get as powerful as you can get. And that was essentially it. There was not like, there was not another layer there. And the layer that eventually started to uh, manifest itself was like pain. <laughs> yeah. was like my body <laughs> was like starting to feel like not great, you know? Mm. And this was like in my early 20s where I was training and there was just so much, um, so much physicality I was putting myself through that I was my best self only when I was in the gym versus you know, being my best self just at any moment, you know, where I can bust out a movement or whatever. But I was like in pain. I felt like um, I I had like a reliance on the gym. I felt like I had a reliance to food as well because I was eating for a certain number of calories to gain muscle. So there was a lot of like reliances there that I felt like, man, like what's, what's happening here? I feel like I'm reliant on eating at a certain time before I get something done, or I'm reliant on going to the gym today. Mm. And it was, uh, it was something that I was feeling, but I wasn't getting any type of education on how to, how to manage it from, you know, my uh, university program. It was kind of just feeding those things where it was very much like that was the mentality people were in within that program. Um, then there was an interesting switch. This was, uh, I can't remember the year, but um, my brother, who's also uh, a strength conditioning coach, he works with a lot of baseball players. He's, got, he's gotten his degree as well. He's really into this world. He kind of saw the type of training that I was doing and he introduced this um, this podcast to me and then also this uh, this video to me was uh, a video of Ido Portal and some of his um, his thoughts on uh, developing a movement practice and then also some of his actual movement patterns on YouTube videos. And we were looking at it. And it was like really interesting because growing up in like in, in where we grew up in New York, there wasn't a huge like in our neighborhood, there wasn't a huge um, influence of individual sports. Mm -hmm. So my whole reference to, to moving the body was through, I guess, and you know, there was also just like a lot of men in our neighborhood, too. So like yep. there was a lot of like, young kids, like the people I hung out with was very more like young, young kids, young, young male kids. So there was a, like a male orientation to physical movement that was already kind of subconsciously laid where there were, you know, men are playing, playing uh, like team sports, playing, you know, sports that had involve a ball and were, were sticking in those areas. So a lot of the things that I saw growing up, I didn't see a lot of like like dancing, break dancing, a lot of like yeah. martial art, sports like that. There wasn't a lot of gymnastics. There wasn't a lot of a lot of these other other individualized sports that 
if I would have had exposure to, it could have, it could have been a different, a different me in terms of what I got into. So my orientation just around my background was a lot around these team sports. And that's what I saw as, you know, a male kind of how, how they're moving their body, how they're pursuing. And that went all the way up even, even until high school. It was, it was crazy just reflecting back how little exposure you know, most kids get in terms of just being able to see the possibilities of what they can do from a movement sense versus just kind of going down a few lanes that they really make available to them. Um, so I was watching these videos, though, with my brother, and we were unbelievably like we were like kind of like confused because we were like, how yeah. is this <laughs> really muscular guy, really like masculine dude, like rocking this unbelievably fluid graceful movement and still maintaining such a level of a physique plus um strength and being able to just orient himself in all of these positions that i really hadn't i had never even seen before i had no reference of so I was looking at some of the things and there was like very, very few things in there that I could even like reference, like the things that I was referencing was like, oh, I can understand that. It was only the things that he would do with like a dumbbell, like when he would show like <laughs> like a, a Cuban rotation or something like that, or like a, a strap assisted, like single arm chin. And then the other things I was like, it was like completely different language. Mm. And I was I was totally at first I was like thrown off. I was like, ah, I don't, I don't think I, I even want to invest any time into this. And, you know, my brother started having me play with some super, super basic things and just trying to get me to steer away from a lot of the heavy lifting that I was doing mm -hmm. and trying to get, get me into orienting myself around coordinating my body a bit better with things like basic crawling work and things like that. And, you know, even when I first attempted to like try like a lizard crawl, I was like, I was like, what the, what in the world is this? What in the world is this? And this is where I honestly, like, this is really where just starting some of this actual, um, like actual movement culture, you know, portal method, like kind of started was just literally looking at some of the content that he had on his YouTube looking at it and then just being in the gym and just attempting something and being like, wow, like where in the hell do I even start on something mm -hmm. like this? And I was just still dabbling it, but I was still heavily reliant on the gym, my essentially addiction to the barbell and the strength that I need, like what I thought built real strength was working with something like that. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I would every so often play with a few of these things and I also started to dabble at this time, just a tiny bit more in yoga practice. And I, uh, I was starting to, cause I was feeling the residual effects of all of the training. So yoga was like another little small transition for me that started to really get my body to have these sensations that I wasn't having in the gym. And I was starting to feel this like really awesome awesome sensations after yoga classes that I was not getting from my uh, weightlifting sessions. Yeah. And it was, it was starting to really get me intrigued more about just how do I move my body completely on its own without any weights. And that 
like the, the feelings I was having after those classes because they were there was no weights involved. They were challenging. I was breaking into deep sweats. They were some of the best sensations I, I had in a really long time from a physical st- standpoint. And it was it was really cool. So kind of starting to dabble in a few more of those things. And, you know, I soon then got my degree from exercise science and uh, I was looking for now, well, what do I do with this? Um, how can I start to get myself into a teaching setting? And then also, how can I feel? Because how can I feel like I can learn more? Because uh, at that point, mm-hmm. even with the degree that I had, I felt like it didn't prepare me super, super well for knowing the things I wanted to know about the body. Mm-hmm. I felt like it kind of prepared me for incredibly just traditional American fitness type job. And I was like really interested in that. Um, so there was a transition where I was like, I need to, I need to change something up. There needs to be a switch. I need to get better education. What can I do um, to really find, find myself uh, some knowledge on this movement practice? Because this is what was in my face. And I was like, I think I'm really interested in this. So I started getting some, um, I really started getting some knowledge about people in the area, uh, anyone who was offering any type of movement training, movement coaches in the Tampa Bay area. And I stumbled upon a guy in Tampa who was like my first real movement teacher. And his, uh, his name is Jeff, Jeff Foxenberger. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he was a former, um, former national champion soccer player so heavy athletic background heavy exercise science background and he transitioned from that world into this movement world and he uh he had a uh, facility called movement therapy in tampa and i started to get in contact with him and drive out to his facility and take classes with him and it was amazing it was like from the first day from the first session it was like I got this material I got this content and then I just started to play with it immediately I just went to the gyms everything I learned I just started to just dissect and play with and learn more and then I wanted to come back to his classes with already having gotten better at this knowledge and get him to give me even more so it was it was unbelievable because there was a now a nice reference there for me in terms of having somebody I can refer back to on this knowledge, on the things that I wanted to improve upon. And uh, he provided such an incredible, incredible resource of that like first real layer of how to get started in this movement practice. And he's an unbelievable practitioner as well. He's still practicing to this day and teaching in the Tampa area. So he's, he's, uh, he's unbelievable in terms of his practice. And, um, yeah, at this point, it was something where I was still pretty heavily ingrained with the training that I was still doing with the barbell. And it takes a while while to let go of that stuff, doesn't it? (laughs) Oh, my God. It was just it. Yeah, it was uh, it was something where, yeah, you, you create so much of what uh what you think you think your progress is so developed like like reliant on those things and 
that's what was the hard thing. It was like I was starting to get a lot more resources to practice this movement thing, but there was still something in my head saying, you know, you can do that. You could do the movement stuff, but you're not going to look the way you want to look mm. and you're not going to be able to be strong like that or you're you're not going to be you don't have the tools yet to be able to make the transition into that practice like that yet and th so there was all these things there that was still bringing me back to that type of training and I was really starting to get honestly sick of it so it was it was something that I I started to like <laughs> honestly I started to bring my rings to the gym and I started to practice a lot more of the movement stuff at the gym and then I started to have riffs in the gym with like the the owners and stuff like that you know where they're like don't bring don't hang rings up you can't be doing this <laughs> so then it started to really become a reality where it was like yeah you know I gotta I gotta take some I gotta I gotta disconnect so I I like completely canceled my gym membership and I took my training just completely outdoors and then I went to the movement classes with Jeff and from there it was it was like okay uh, I'm really going to start investing more time into learning about this and this is where I made some level of a commitment of kind of letting go of some things and I'd done it before you know I'd done it before with I had experience with letting things go with like kind of stopping training for baseball so it was like, it was something that, yeah, it's like you hold on to it, but when you let it go, it's, it's cool. It's a freeing feeling. It's a nice feeling. Um, I was excited to start to like how my body was going to change with starting to do some of this type of movement. And I was, I was really, yeah, I was happy to have broken that kind of reliance on that. Cause as much as, as much as the barbell provided me with, um, a lot of strength and I enjoy, I enjoyed building the strength with that type of training. It was, uh, it didn't serve me in, in a, in a movement sense anymore. I could feel if I could continue down that road, I would have just been an incredibly, um, an incredibly just non-dynamic mover, just the fluidity component was not there. And even with the, the way that I was training, I always trained great full range of motion, um, and never like really focused on, um, never really focused on like high, high numbers. So I was really still always focused on high quality when I would even be working with the barbell. But again, it, there was a, a huge element, uh, there of softening my body that I was just not getting learning how to soften my body up. Hmm. So it, uh, it, it took me out of the gym setting and then I was able to spend all my time outdoors and then all my time training at classes with Jeff. And I was getting a lot, a lot of knowledge from all of his sessions. Plus I was exploring as much of I, as much as I could of it on my own. And he was starting to get me in contact with a few other local uh, teachers and facilities in the area that were movement based and this is where I kind of start to got, I started to get into um, a little bit of understanding acrobatics and understanding little things like, uh, like learning capoeira and tricking and starting to look at these things as, oh, okay, well, this is where kind of some of 
Ito's reference of his flow comes from or because I didn't even know about these disciplines. Like I would just look at how Ito move and be like, oh, that's yeah. that's how he moves. And then I saw the same type of rhythmic movement in some of the capoeira flows. And I was like, okay, all right. So now I see where where more of this is originating. And then even looking at some of these acrobatic patterns that were a bit more explosive and then looking at things like tricking and seeing how, okay, this is where some of these things are kind of from and where it originates and kind of the, the blending of styles in within different disciplines. I started to dabble in a bit more um, at this time as well. Very, very briefly though, I was still getting most of my information um, within what my programming and what my training looked like from very much like uh, movement culture or movement, um, movement based sources. And it, it was something that, um, it was something at this point that I really started to look at my own body and look at how some of these guys I was looking at move. Um, so I was looking at some things like some of the, the flexibility oriented around how you have to, what you have to have to actually complete some of these movements. And I, I was being super honest with myself at this point. And I was like, man, you have not put a single phase in your entire life of flexibility or mobility work in, like ever, <laughs> you yep. know, like, so it was like, you have you're trying to do this stuff with your body yet. You are trying to like, you're trying to like you're not going to be able to do it without actually having any skin on the skin in the game of any type of stretching mobility work. And I was the type of athlete that I never stretched. I would go into my games and like people would do warm-ups, I wouldn't warm up. I would I would just go right into the game. So I think and there's one component of it that 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 component actually served me a little bit because my body had never had exposure to like legitimate stretching or mobility protocols. So the only thing that it could do with that exposure would, would be to make an adaptation mm -hmm. because if it never had it at all, it's good. The stimulus will make the stimulus will be enough to make some type of change. But then there was the other component where it's like, man, now I really got to face certain things like my hamstrings, my, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my, my, my spine, my, um, my hips. So I started to, I, I realized, I said, you know, all of the nervous system output that I'm putting that I put into my strength training that I've made so much progress in over the last few years, I'm going to take that exact same nervous system output. And I'm going to put that into my flexibility and mobility work so i did a lot of that flexibility and mobility work with the intention of it being very very uh like main dish oriented so like in in the day like i even though i wasn't doing strength training my nervous system was getting the same level of like fatigue because of all of the flexibility work I was doing. And I, and I made so much progress with that, with that like approach with 
because a lot of people save flexibility and mobility, maybe 10 minutes at the end of the session, you do a little bit, whatever. And I knew that if I really wanted to make legitimate permanent changes to my body, I have to go into sessions and that has to be what I do for the day. Like that's my, that's the thing. So I would do that with head to toe stretches with middle split work with front split work with bridge work um pike stretching uh all of that and it completely changed so uh, i went into those stretching and mobility sessions at my best and uh at, you know as i was doing it at my best i made legitimate permanent changes um and i was now working with a body that had a lot more range of motion open. And I attribute it a lot to that approach there, but also the, the thing I, I really attribute uh, a lot of the flexibility progress that I made going into starting to train other things was a lot of the foundation and strength too. Like I, I trained the hell out of my legs, mm. uh, spe specifically my hips and then also my spine with a lot of stability work. And by doing that, I never really felt any vulnerabilities because my my hips and my spine and my shoulders always felt so strong that I was able to get them in really, really deep positions and not feel vulnerabilities. So although I literally said at that point of developing that flexibility and mobility, I said to myself, you're not going to touch the barbell. You're going to literally just honestly just stop strength training for a period of time and you're going to focus on mobility and flexibility work. And that background though, in the strength is really what allowed me to, to make a lot of progress so quickly in the uh, flexibility work. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, this sounds like such an amazing journey, you know, from, I guess a more, yeah. Like you were so specialist orientated towards like a, a cultural sport right and, and a team sport and then you had this whole awakening and realization and 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 change towards i guess a more broader more generalist practice and yeah that was a that was wonderful to hear through all those steps especially like i was resonating a lot with how you were describing like a lot of the mental challenges and barriers that you've faced as you had to let things go or as things revealed itself to you as um with with how you then adapted your training or your life to suit, to make these changes to, to where you are now. And it seems like, yeah, it all, um, it all ended up, I guess, positively in the end to keep on, to keep on contributing to your growth uh, rather than, you know, for some people, sometimes when they get challenged in that way, it's almost, they can go the opposite way. Right. And like, let go of the physicality completely, or just be like, Oh, that was, you know, part of my youth. And then, then it's like closed door. Right. It's like, Oh, now I gotta do something else or, or, or whatever. Right. Um, but there is this one thread that I wanted to keep on, um, investigating, which is, uh, I guess in your view with this development of like movement or movement work, um, I guess there are, other ways that you can go about this sometimes such as like you know going to a bunch of different disciplines and learning from them I guess separately or even you know like there's always like the CrossFit down the road where they essentially do try to 
combine a whole lot of disciplines as well. But in your eyes, you know, for like a, a, a movement practice, like what kind of makes that different? What do you think? Yeah, there's there's a lot of different qualities I think that you can work on within a movement practice. I think that the term like movement practice at this point, it's still like it's still relatively not set in stone. So I think that there's still there's still levels of understanding what a movement practice is. I think that if you just like look around and you reflect on different people and different different people who have a movement practice or who, who call themselves movement artists or movement practitioners or movement teachers you just look at how these people have their practice and there's a lot of diversity there's no real one one way um obviously if you're if you're training under a certain method, there could be certain um, there could be certain things that are more important than others that you want to focus on. But I think that there's a lot of diversity on what it could be considered a movement practice. I think that if you're under one umbrella, like like CrossFit, then even though they're throwing in a bunch of different stuff there, I, I wouldn't consider that still like a movement practice because if you look at something like CrossFit, there's not really, although there's a lot of diversity, there's not really a lot of different qualities being built there. So like you look at the workouts and every single component of the workout is almost of the exact same quality. It's all about pushing yourself to the max end, but it's like how there's never a point in cross CrossFit where it's like, let's work on not pushing ourselves and doing things the most easy, relaxed, soft way possible. Like there's, there's no opposite end to the spectrum. So I think the movement practice from a general way of just thinking about it, in my opinion, is looking at qualities, looking at what qualities have you developed over a lifetime. And it, when thinking about having a movement practice, you have to look at it from your entire lifespan perspective, because to develop real qualities, it takes legitimate phases of years so you might in one phase of your life have this quality really understood and developed, and then you let it go for a, for a period of time to move on to another phase of developing another quality, but it's not like you've lost it. You know, um, having learned something is not the same. And having learned something and letting it go is not the same uh, as like never learning it before. So it's, it's something that when it, when you have spent the time to learn something, it's still there, but like investigating different qualities of physicality is I think the best, best way to approach a movement practice and looking at how to do, how to develop opposite ends of the spectrum. So if you're somebody who loves, loves, loves to push themselves in terms of strength and really having a, an understanding of strength, whether it be strength with a barbell or strength on your hands or strength on the rings, whatever, that's strength. Even though there might be diversity in strength, those are not opposite spectrums. What's the, how can you develop the opposite quality of strength is learning how to be graceful and fluid and move 
like liquid and using as little strength as possible in your movement patterns. So it, it gives you the illusion that you have strength, but you really don't even train strength at all. So like investigating and trying to get into understanding how to develop that opposite quality is, is really what my intention was with trying to develop my own practice and trying to work with students who are up for that challenge because not, mm. not everyone is up for that challenge. It's a really difficult task to work on the things that your body does not, not really, you're not natural at because I think most of us all prefer some component of our practice more than the other, but we also have to be, we have to be, we have to acknowledge that there's certain parts of our practice that are getting little to no attention and you've never spent any time in that realm at all. And then you're asking yourself why you're not pro progressing on a certain thing. And a lot of times the progression doesn't have to do a lot with the actual skill that you're working on. It has to do more about the quality that you just don't have. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have this underlying layer there that can help you understand this quality. And that's the main thing that I'm working on at being able to deliver better to students is being able to how do I work on this quality with people and, and learn how to get them to develop that versus learning, having them learn how to develop just a such skill, because we could just do the skill a million, a million, a million times. And you might get a little bit of progress on the skill. But even when I look at it, I can tell that there's not this like efficiency layer there because you don't really have the quality that's built in. And the body is amazing in terms of like maneuvering around things so that it can give you the illusion that you you can that it looks like you have it. But there's some like the really good practitioners and people who have the quality can look at it and know it's like, no. He's, they're not really doing it with ease, you know? Yeah, this is a really interesting point that I want to um, go a bit deeper on about this idea of uh, developing qualities. And, you know, maybe just such as for you, yourself, what are some areas that, um, you know, you've identified in terms of qualities that you're like, oh, okay, like these are things that I never really invested in and like I, I, I have to work on. And, um, as a result, yeah. you know, from that, that's, uh, you know, that that's sort of changed a lot in a, in a broader perspective, how you just actually move and operate through life. Yeah, absolutely. I think that throughout my, throughout my life, it's been different qualities that have interested me at different times. Um, you know, within the most recent of times, here now certain qualities like rhythm um coordination within within musicality um is something that's been interesting to me um really working on momentum and softness and how to find path of least resistance uh when engaging with momentum uh these are things that are really really interesting to me uh learning how to have agility power 
softness. Uh, all of the, those uh, have been most of the things that have been really grabbing my attention right now. Um, but even even like even smaller subjects is like like vision, you know, like really being able to have super strong focus and and being able to have the eyes um, being present and engaged with yourself through movement is is another really interesting thing for me right now as well because all when when you get a little bit deeper down into some of these layers you have to look at all of the components of where your eyes how well can your eyes track through movement um especially when the movement is at high speeds uh and being able to to work on those things and in different tasks uh is is huge and these things like all of those things whether it comes to rhythm and musicality and softness through momentum and working on the vision all of the things that i do to practice on those things are like really super like they're not very intense hard practices on the body that's the beautiful thing about them they can be turned into bigger more compound expressive really flashy things but when i'm working on them they're really really micro they're super, super micro, micro um, components of my practice in terms of like how how big they look, but they're they're beautiful in terms of the the payoff for them because when I work on them, and then I go into a bigger, a bigger, more expressive movement, something that's a bit more like louder and can be seen as a bit more explosive, it. And I have those things worked on. Everything works out so much easier. Mm. So it's like, how do I make the things that are, that I kind of have some level of base of knowing how to do, how do I turn those things into something that has an extra layer in there? Mm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I've been, I've been playing with because a lot of the movement artists that I look at and I really love to love to watch, um, is uh i i see how they move and for instance we'll just talk about like the acrobatics and a lot of the times i'll look at a variation of their acrobatic and i find it more interesting when they do an acrobatic movement where they do it wrong where they land they don't land on their foot where they land on their knee or something like that mm -hmm. where they land on the hip and just learning at how to find this alternative alternative um route there to make it to make it a little bit more special to make it a little bit more unique really draws me in in terms of well how do i develop that quality versus ra rather than just doing it so like rigid versus mm -hmm. so technically sound um and i think a lot of it has to do is like okay, if you, if you look at it, be like, oh, she just landed on her hip. So I'm just going to try and do it like that. That's not what it's about. It's about like having an understanding of how do you, how do you develop that understanding of what's possible that you can do out of this movement? How do you set the scenario right? And those are the, by working on those qualities, that's what I'm trying to <clears throat> investigate more is how do I set the scenario up where I can be creative and move in that way with having some of those things there and 
shout out to uh, a practitioner in the St. Pete area, uh, Kyler James movement. He's, he's been a, a good, um, uh, a really, really great inspiration for seeing his practice transform from a rhythmic and musicality standpoint as well, where, you know, I, I love seeing people in the area, especially myself that are, uh, we get decent at certain things. And then we look at, man, you have no skin on the game on this component. Let's tackle it versus just staying in your lane and just getting better. So he's a, he's a guy that's inspired me in the area a lot um, about wanting to get deeper into learning about rhythm and how to move with music and how to uh, like use that as a really good tool to flow and to really like move well. And how do you organize your training? Maybe if uh, a quality is uh, is a primary focus versus like, I think everyone is quite familiar with um, uh, programming for skills, right? Let's say for like the planche or the front lever, right? And there's, you know, heaps of programs now on the internet where it's just like, you know, you do A, B, C series, you know, with accessory exercises to train yourself for the planche uh, per se. But, um, you know, what you're describing here is... A little bit of a mix of maybe some sometimes some external cues but then a lot of internal cues that you have to provide for yourself say if you want to be like more soft or more express expressive so yeah i'm just wondering how do you how do you organize training to um uh, to develop these qualities yeah um training the the organization of training um has always been like a process so it's been like it's been a learning process that was like the one of the most like prominent questions that I had when starting the movement practice was how do I fit all of this stuff in? And then how do I organize? What does my week look like in terms of, of training? And I think one of the best things that helped me is getting super specific on the skills that I want to work on and the qualities that I want to work on and not steering away from it for a period of time until I tell myself, okay, you, you've put enough time into this. Let's reevaluate and let's see what other qualities we can work on. But like when I set my intention for a week, if somebody brings something to the table, like an exercise or somebody shows me something, I'm not going to just stop my session to be like, Oh, well, let me just try this. You know, like I have very specific intentions going into each week and each session of things that I, have already looked at and I'm like, this is what I want to work on. This is what my intention is for getting better on this. So I, I try to go in to most sessions with a, a pretty clear outline of what I want to do from a, a play standpoint and then like a mechanical standpoint. Cause I mm -hmm. kind of break my, my week up to in, into kind of sessions that are more oriented around play versus and then sessions that are more oriented around mechanical uh which is the mechanical at this point is serving my body to play harder mm. so i'm able to really set my body up in a way that i can have really long sessions of play and exploration and really push myself in that way um because i'm training the mechanical side of things uh, a few days out of the week. So my mechanical sessions are consisting uh, a lot of just basic upper body uh, calisthenic skills um, and then also lower body work 
uh, lower body strength work um, with uh, with some barbell and free weights. Um, I've gone back to a bit of the barbell work now just because of as I put a lot of time into my flexibility work, what happens when you develop things like splits and head to toe and really deep forward folds and back bend work is that you got to retighten back up. So I mm. uh, actually, now that I have these things capable of doing with my body, it's, uh, it's something that I'm re I'm actually re going back to the barbell work and getting, wanting to get my legs strong so that it can support the flexibility that I have and then also be able to be as stable as possible. Um, so I hit the barbell work, uh, about two to three times a week. And then, um, the play sessions they're 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 like the outline of those men they're they can they can go from anywhere from three to five hour sessions and there's there's a brief outline but a lot of it has to do with like a lot of it has to do with feel you know so it's it's hard to even put into words how i can how i like the things that i work on in those sessions but a brief a brief kind of outline that I do is one, I try to, I try to build up for at least an hour to 45 minutes of, of like all sensory, um, sensory feedback. So I try to get my eyes, my, my skin, my, uh, my joints all really, really acclimated to the surrounding area. So whatever, wherever I am, I try to get as much sensory feedback from the ground, from the objects around. So I'm playing with objects. I'm playing on the ground. I'm playing in the air. I'm doing some light jumping. I'm, I'm playing around with some light footwork in terms of um, some basic kind of dance steps. And I'm playing around with some hops, some plyometrics. And from there, like that sensory feedback plus some of that footwork is leading me into like some of the acrobatic work that I do. So I then take some of that, that really, really kind of simple work. And then I try to build it up, build it up into a little bit more complex acrobatic patterns that are from capoeira, tricking, um, break dancing. And those sessions are looking, they're, they're looking like, sometimes I'm very much coming up with certain sequences uh, in terms of, what I practice within those patterns. And then there's other times where I'm working on specific tricks just on like a very repetition standpoint mm -hmm. where, you know, if there's a certain flip that I feel like I really want to put time into, um, I'm just going to do repetitions of that, of that trick. Uh, if there's other days where I'm feeling like I really want to work on a certain sequence or develop a sequence, I'll spend time just on that. Um, but the play sessions, I'm still trying to understand, honestly, more about how I can deliver the things that I'm getting out of these play sessions into more of a, like a prescription based training protocol. Because I'll tell you right now, they're just they're they're so there's so much happening in them. And there's so much of like so much of things that I'm doing in them that I'm not even aware of sometimes that. I, and I love that component about it because 
I don't want every single thing that I'm doing in these sessions to be reflective from a teacher standpoint. Mm-hmm. I want it to be from a, a play standpoint, doing things just because they feel good and because they are fun and because it makes my body feel good. So there's, there's components within them that I'm still trying to uncover on how I can even um, uh, kind of deliver it from a teaching standpoint. Uh, but the mechanical work is pretty straightforward. Um, and that's, that's what allows me to get deeper into those play sessions. Yeah. I was gonna, that was going to be like my next question, which is like, you know, from these like play sessions, which after you've gone through your background and your history makes me, um, really understand why you place such an importance on those play sessions as well, given that, uh, when baseball started becoming, just very militant, you know, took away that love for the game, how you've uh, really taken that lesson to heart and to make that, that play really part of your, your life, which I really admire. But um, yeah, the question revolves around um, just how you (laughs) go about distilling what you discover in those sessions into, I guess uh, you're, you are a teacher and so how to pass them on because uh, I know for myself, sometimes when you go with these open exploration sessions as well, sometimes things like pop up and, you know, come to you. But um, for me, sometimes they might be forgotten unless I purposely revisit them afterwards um, or if they just keep on arising out of the natural sort of habit tendency of, of mind that I recognize after a certain amount of time. Otherwise it, it is more just like, yeah, I'm just enjoying the moment and how everything's moving and not thinking too much about it afterwards as, as well, which um, then makes it a bit tricky if, you know, you, you uh, that, if that was to be like a source of maybe some research that you could help to share with others. Yeah, there's, I think that the practice and that type of, that type of play in those sessions, for me, at least as a teacher, that's been some of the absolute best, 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 um, like material that I've uncovered as a teacher. So like I extract so much, like, so, so, so much from my practice. So it's, it's been the greatest the greatest degree, the greatest book, whatever, you know, the greatest thing, the greatest source of knowledge that I can ask for is actually being in the practice versus a tutorial or anything like that. So I've uncovered so much about what not to do and what to do um, to have success within skills or qualities for sure. And there's, yeah, there's a component of it where you have to, you can be reflective. Uh, and my reflection sometimes is within the pra- within the actual session, but then other times it's out. It's a- actually after the sessions too, where I'm looking at, oh, that worked. Well, let me try this again in this session and see if it has any juice to it. Mm. So like there's, there's a lot of times, like if I'm looking for something or a certain, there was something that clicked in a session technique wise or meant like uh, preparation wise that worked a specific um, a sp- uh, some, something within it. I, I look at and I try to revisit it to see if it has any quality to it, like in, a, in another session. If there if I string up like three or four sessions where this 
cue or this technique is really working, then I start to be like, okay, well, this, this has some juice to it to actually being able to be, you know, provided in a teaching setting. Cause there's certain things that I acknowledge in my practice that work on kind of only for me. And then there's other things that I can see will work on more of a, like a, a wider scale for, for most people. Mm. Uh, and I, I try to look at those things within my practice. Oh, what is this? That's only, that's only really, that only really serves my practice or the way that I look at it versus what can, you know, what can serve all of my students. And then I try to test those things quite often in my sessions to be able to see if it's, if it's uh, of quality or not to be able to, to give those to people. Um, but yeah, that's one of the absolute beautiful components of the practice is being able to, you have all of the progress that you can make on your own, but then it also has so, so, so many kernels of, of wisdom and from a teaching standpoint. And that's, I think where a lot of people miss the mark uh, as a teacher is, you know, my, my first movement teacher, Jeff, he said to me when I first got started, he's like, you know, you're going to start to get unlock some things in this practice. The, if you want to teach, which I told him I did, you, the, the thing that you have to remember is to be very, 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 very conscious of why these things are unlocking and not just sit there and be like, oh, I got a handstand. Mm -hmm. Oh, I got a split. Like you have to take a different approach as a teacher and actually reflect back on, well, what, what, the, what just happened? You know, and I think about those things all the time is where I'm thinking about why this progression line worked or why this technique worked um, and why it clicked for me. And I do that within sessions with my students as well in their training. And I reflect back on, you know, the progression line of how we built up to a certain skill. And if they got it, then we I reflect back. I was like, OK, that was that was interesting how he took that progression line and he unlocked it. Um, but yeah, being able to sit back and reflect on these things is key to be a good teacher, because if you're not learning from your own practice, which a lot of teachers, let's face it, just don't practice really hard at all. Um, you know, it's, you're not, if, if you're not practicing hard as a teacher, um, then you're, you're learn you're extracting from elsewhere. Um, and, it's sometimes not very authentically connected to the practice. So mm. in, in my experience, I, I really want to work with teachers or people who have been, who are doing the skill, doing the thing at the given moment, mm. you know? And, you know, with um, this di distinction between like, yeah, the, the more mechanical work and then, and then making space for the play, is this, um, is this how you also set up like your programming and your instruction for your students? Like, is there like sessions where it's just like mechanical, which I could more easily understand, but then for the, for, for the play, if you do, what's the sort of um, instruction, if any, for your students of how to approach that? Yeah, it's still in, in the, the outline of some of the play, in the online coaching is a bit more structured than than I'd honestly even like it to be, you know, <laughs> because 
those sessions, like when you're really trying to have play session, there's got to be a level of, of, uh, yeah, of like a freedom of like not looking at something sets and reps. Like the last thing that I do on a play session is say to myself, I'm going to do five sets of five or whatever. Like I'm not yeah. doing that. Not, it's not how it is. So like, yes, I program things like acrobatics and soft acrobatics and locomotion and in the programming there is components of things like movement integrations within um uh like system flows and some movement improv sets and things like that but it's still it's still regimented in a way that i think kind of does a little bit of a disservice to the real orientations of how play should be um and I think that having a structure there is good because there it's good. And then it's, it's negative because there's two components of really progressing. It's like, you see it with art. It's like a good artist can, can draw like the most basic of outline or, you know, you ask them to draw a picture of whatever they could draw perfectly. But then when they create the super abstract base of art, it's like, man, this is like crazy, but this guy is choosing to paint this type of art versus like the perfectly structured picture of whatever. Mm. So a lot of people who play, and I see it a lot sometimes is like they play, but they don't have the structure there to play with like real freedom, mm. you know? So it's like all of their session is just based off of play and kind of just floating around and doing a lot of kind of nothing. And that's the other component of play that like, I think is, it's good, because I think people still need that to be able to express and just get in touch with their, themselves in a like, in a just a playful, enjoyable form. But the play that I'm interested in is a little bit, a little bit of like a blended approach of freeform play, plus having some good sound structures available. So that my play when I turn my play on, it's like I can tap into all of these vectors that are so subconsciously there for me. I don't even have to think about, but to, to get to that point, you have to put in structured work. So the programming that I do is, is essentially working on getting people a toolbox of a specific, a specific box of movements that I think that they can really work off of to eventually play like with a lot of freedom. So like that type of work, the play sessions at first, I don't like to just kind of throw people into an open scenario of play. Uh, I like to actually get people some tools to work with. So learning basics of locomotion, learning basics of soft acrobatics, learning basics of groundwork, learning basics of, you know, learning how to, you know, do some footwork and jumping and things like that. So all of those things, are uh are really what i like to start people with and then when i run classes that are oriented around uh play and and movement there i have a lot of like tasks tasks that i put in that are a lot more expressive and that and are try and are trying to get people more into open scenario play but again it's it's one of the components of the practice that i'm still constantly learning more about because to get people in that state, it's the most, it's one of the most uncomfortable things for people who are not, 
people who are not like dancers or fully expressive people there's certain people that absolutely love it and they're like it's their favorite time of class and they're like they're just they just will go crazy and they'll do whatever and then there's other people where it's like the most uncomfortable thing for them and they still want to regiment it like really hard and mm. i i see that when i when i'm when i'm teaching sometimes and i'm still working on trying to learn how to break those boundaries down for people where they can really free themselves because those are the qualities that's legitimately the quality that i'm talking about is that that freeing quality that you have to have to really start to feel like trust your body enough to unlock some of these bigger patterns i feel like yeah and it goes back to that thing about recognizing like what's the opposite quality that uh you're lacking in or you haven't invested as much in and um uh, you know for the person who wants who really thrives off that regimented stuff to actively invest in this other side um that will help fill in the fill in the gaps and just provide that different perspective to what you're used to for 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 so long right and um yep yeah one, one thing i was uh, going to just remark as well with what you said was about um I guess on the um, play side as well, I liked your use of the word like the toolbox and goes back to this terminology type, type uh, uh, perspective where I think um, for most type of like, I guess, creativity as well, creativity happens within boundaries and a certain sets of terminology. Once you know that, such as like a language, right? You can't really play with the words until you know the words uh, that you are using right so it does make sense that for a certain amount of time as well that's it to spend time learning the structures learning the words is is necessary that will then afford you the freedoms later to then express i guess i guess at, uh, like at a higher level of play versus like yeah if you um maybe are, are very new to it and you you don't have so much and you know your only words are like that apple eats you can't really do too many combos right so yeah uh, i get get where you're coming from there but uh yeah honestly a very um interesting approach i think that you're um that you're cultivating and and, and you're pushing here especially with that this focus on on qualities yeah yeah i think that what you just said about the the terminology and the language that was one of the most important things for myself being able to recognize how to decipher and break down complex movement is being able to have those references built in and i've i've really tried to take an approach of how, of getting people comfortable with the language because teaching there's sometimes where people are like oh well what's that trick i don't know it by the name and i'm like oh you got you should know it by the name you know because the visual component shouldn't be the only thing that you know you should be able to reference this from a language standpoint as well so that when you're seeing it it's something that you have a complete reference for you know it from a from a, a terminology standpoint from a visual standpoint and then from a feeling standpoint if it's if something you can do and that was absolutely so huge because then when i would watch people move i can what was once watching ito on a video look like 
I couldn't even I couldn't even understand what was happening. Now I have a reference from, oh, that's that movement to this movement. And then he exits out with that. And then you have a lot of this terminology broken down and even things that you can't are not necessarily super super clear if you're watching like super hot super complex movement where people are breaking all the rules you can still like have some level of a reference there on it of like oh my god he just did a swipe broken down into this like landed on that and it's it's so so helpful because then you watch things and you're not like what the heck just happened i have no idea to e- where to even start and it's 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 been unbelievably helpful to learn the language and learning the language comes from I tell people all the time, you know, I tell people the names of these movements and they're like, where the heck does this name come from? I'm like, look at if you want to learn more about these things and the things that I'm teaching you, you know, start to look at some of the very, very basic, basic movements out of some of these disciplines we're getting into, like gymnastics, capoeira, tricking, breakdancing, like all of these very, very basic terminologies within these disciplines, I try to urge people to just tap into a little bit because it's going to really help your your reference point for understanding where some of these things can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it as well because then also um, it becomes something in your, in, in your mind so like that you can associate like a, a strong image to um, that helps uh, also communicate. I think more, more importantly as well, when you need help and then you talk to someone like you as well, someone else knows what the hell you're talking about and they can exactly. pro- provide you tips as well versus just, um, yeah, getting lost in it, trying to describe, oh, the leg goes this way and that way, which is a lot harder to, oh, yeah, to, yes. to accurately describe all the time. Yeah. Of course. Yes. And that's the beauty of, you know, we have so many resources available now that we didn't. So the availability of just typing in a tag on the Internet, on, a, on Instagram, you just type in a tag of the word I give you and you have a ton of different visual representations of it. So the availability to educate yourself just on this terminology is more available than ever. So it's something that, you know within yeah within my goals for this practice is to be able to get like switch the focus of people their reference of terminology of the basics of things like lunge and bench press and lat pull down and like changing the termino- the the common terminologies of those things into common terminologies of backbend qdr um macaco you know backflip like being having people have a wider arsenal of terminologies available for themselves when it comes to movement versus just the traditional fitness stuff is uh is is like one of my intentions with helping people you know learn more about their body because like i said before and the the facility i train at the first about seven sessions we work on with people, it's all about just introducing them to the terminology. We get them comfortable with the language. Uh, and that's, that's huge for us being able to progress them faster. 
So where's all this heading for you now? You know, you've got this like solid practice going on. You're able to keep on exploring just, you know, what's motivating you into the future, both, you know, from a teaching standpoint, but also like what you want to discover for yourself in your own practice, like where's it orientating towards? Yeah. So, uh, right now it is, it's going towards a place of as much, as much physical freedom as I could develop at this, at this given time. You know, I'm grateful for every single moment I wake up and I'm able to do the things I can do with my body. I try to not let it, I try to not take it for granted. I know that it's not forever. So at this point, I'm really pushing my own practice in a place where uh, I really want to see how far I can take it uh, in terms of developing my own qualities. And I know that this is going to be a practice that I'm going to be in for the rest of my life. And I've been through the, the waves of the practice enough that I know that in the next five years, I may be completely non-interested in the things that I'm working on right now. And I could have completely new interests, which is the most beautiful thing about it is that the qualities that you're looking uh, that you're looking at now can be something that later down the line, you may want to completely let go of and develop other qualities. So I think that for myself, uh, developing some of those more subtle details like uh, musicality and coordinations and rhythm and softening and working, working in a place of really understanding the path of least resistance is really where my practice is transitioning more into um, working on um, communicating through movement with a partner as well, having more of a, a connection with um, other bodies in terms of those things as well is something that's interesting to me. So uh, things like linear things like strength and flexibility, like those, those are, those are just like nice little foundations in the background. I don't have much interest in going down deeper on those routes of achieving the super high level gymnastics strength skills and things like that, or even pursuing the super huge big tricks, you know, like, you know, triple corks or whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not big into, into those things. I think that at this point developing my toolbox enough, to the point where I can feel sufficient enough to play and create connections with the toolbox I have is where my interest lies for my own practice. Um, and getting also a lot better at how to deliver the, deliver the, the education I'm getting from my own practice and some of the subtleties that are happening within my own training and being able to deliver those to my students and the people that I'm working with is also uh, something that I'm going to be working on for, you know, the next few years. So it's something that I, uh, I there's still a lot of things, even with the, the practice I have now that I have not been able to completely uncover enough to be able to package them to people in terms of um, the, 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 I think the value that uh, I'm getting, I'm getting from it for my own practice. So, and uh, yeah, it's, for me, this is all about sharing. So like, I, I love, I think that the being able to have a practice that's for yourself is phenomenal, but it doesn't mean anything if you can't share it with people. 
and then help people and then connect over the shared practice. So I know I'm going to be sharing my work and my students work for as long as I'm doing this. And uh, I'm looking to really grow the community here in the Tampa Bay area and our community at Move Gymnastics uh, Inspired Strength over in Clearwater. Um, the, the female who owns that place is Ashley Gass. She's also a really great movement practitioner and great mentor of mine as well. Um, she's doing a wonderful job at, at running that facility, and we're, uh, we have some great coaches there, and we're, we're looking to really uh, improve the culture there and bring great movers in from all over, all over the city um, into that facility and really try to create a good, a good culture of movement in this, uh, in this city, because it's, like I said, I, I moved down here because it was absolutely beautiful. And I stayed because it's a beautiful place, super conducive to a movement practice, you know, being outdoors, having that warm weather. And, uh, it's, it's absolutely beautiful, man. So that's, uh, those are my plans. Yeah, well, I guess for anyone out there listening, you know, if you're passing through the Florida area, then, you know, definitely have to hit you guys up and and go for a visit. Um, you know, it's been absolutely wonderful connecting with you today and, you know, just hearing um, all that story and, you know, your perspective through how you approach uh, movement. So I really thank you, Jason, for joining us. Um, and I guess I just wanted to know these days, do you ever play any baseball still you know just for just for play yeah you know so the funny thing is is that I so like on talking about some of those that the how I prepare for some of my play sessions I'm actually going through what you can kind of call like shadow technique based movements where like because the connection of the throw and the swing is incredibly connected to a lot of and also like infielding is very connected to capoeira jinga mm. and groundwork. So I actually, I, I practice a lot of like air throwing and air swinging and kind of visualizing some of these old techniques and vectors that I, that I played with as, as, a, as a player as I'm preparing in these play sessions. But I have not played like an organized game mm. in a very long time. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's, it's something that, yeah, the, that's something that I definitely will get back to because um, the sensations I definitely have been missing a bit. But yeah, man, you know, it's uh, they're all beautiful games and uh, I, uh, I'm excited to, to get back into all of it for sure. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I've really appreciated it. And, you know, I guess uh, for anyone out there who wants to get in touch with you and reach out, you know, what's the me method that you best prefer? Yeah, so uh, you can contact me on IG um, at jason.lapiana. Uh, you could send me a message or I have a link in my uh, bio. You can book a consultation call with me if you guys are interested in any type of info on uh, online coaching or some in-person uh, coaching. Awesome, Jason. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you, man. It was a pleasure chatting with you today. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Thank you once again to Jason for joining us on The Passive Hang. Really appreciate him sharing his journey, his story. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. I did a lot, especially about his reflections around developing yourself via qualities. So something to really ponder and reflect on.
Once again, thank you to you guys for supporting the podcast, for being listeners, for helping share this out there into the wider world. It's great to really share this passion of mine, movement practice out to you guys and to people just entering into this whole movement world. So let's keep on doing it. If you like this podcast, please recommend it, share it with a friend, share it on social media as well. It really helps me get it out there. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to get in touch. So you can reach me on Instagram. That's at P at P-H-A-O-N-P. Or you can jump on the website, thepassivehang.com. All right. Well, that's all that's going to come out from me today. I will see you guys in the next episode.